2 Corinthians chapter 4. Well, believe it or not, it's the last Sunday night service in 2020. In some ways, the year has flown by. In other ways, the year has been in slow motion. (laughs) I'll save more when I give my annual State of the Church address next month. But this is the first year in my life that I have genuinely been glad to say farewell to a year. I don't know if that's wrong or not. Which is strange because I remember entering 2020 with such high hopes. To be honest with you, I could normally care less about the new year. As you know, I don't pay attention to the calendar too much. And I really could care less that it's going to be a new year normally. There's nothing magical about going from 2020 to 2021. Nothing really changes from December 31st to January 1st except how we record history. COVID-19 isn't magically going to disappear. The election madness isn't going away. Racial injustice isn't going to cease to be an issue. Radical groups won't stop pushing their agendas. But there is good news. God will still be on the throne. He's in complete control. God's word will still be true. God's people will still be saved. This church will continue to assemble. God's word will still continue to go forth. And there's still hope for God to send revival. The Lord may even return. So for the first time, I eagerly say farewell to a year. But as Brother DeGarmo pointed out in Sunday school, I must be careful saying that because something may occur in 2021 that makes me wish it was 2020 again. Before we move on to a new year, we have to finish this year. (laughs) There's still a lot that could happen this year, amen. Our theme this year has on Sunday nights, or our theme for the year has been Believe to See. Our series on Sunday night for most of the year has also been on that theme, Believe to See, taken from Psalm 27, 13, where David said, I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. So as we close out this series tonight, I want to begin just by recapping this year as we progressed through 2020. What did we cover in this series? Well, as I mentioned already, I entered 2020 with very high hopes. After such a great year in 2019, we saw record giving in 2019. And we saw record, uh, not record necessarily, I don't know, I don't have all the records from 1979, but we were seeing very consistent high numbers in attendance, and it just kept growing higher as we approached 2020 and right into winter. Therefore, after much prayer and counsel, I made the decision to launch a second Sunday morning service by the springtime. So we put the wheels in motion to accommodate the increases we were seeing and to accommodate the continued growth that we were anticipating. And we were believing to see God use us to reach more souls. And that's what it's all about, amen? So I began to preach a series on the theme... Believe to see Sunday nights, and after an introductory week of this topic, I preached, Can You See It? 
This was before we kicked off two morning services. My hope was to energize people behind the theme and the vision that God had for us. And the next week was a message entitled, See the Spirit's Leading, and how the Spirit was leading us in this direction. Next was, See the Blessing, as we entered the month of February. Then, See the Multiplication, as we prepared for what God might have for us. When we entered March, I preached, See Your Role, with hopes of everyone getting involved to help with what I was hoping to see. On March the 8th, as we neared the Sunday to launch two Sunday morning services, I gave the message, Jesus sees our faith. Just trying to challenge us to remain faithful to what we were about to begin. And how appropriate and timely that message was about Jesus seeing our faith in hindsight because the impacts of COVID-19 were about to disrupt life in South Dakota. You'll remember it had already occurred in other parts of the country, but as the virus spread, I took the 15th to address how God's people should respond. Well, on Monday the 16th, the president issued the coronavirus guidelines, the 15 days to slow the spread, whatever it was, that was being put out there, and wouldn't you know it, he put that on the 16th, the next Sunday is when we were launching two services. That's funny, Lord. I was completely bummed. And after months of prayer, after months of preparation and trying to get this thing going, the Sunday had finally arrived that we had been believing to see. And it ended up being the very Sunday when life was officially disrupted in South Dakota. <laughs> Ugh. But we pressed on. We went on with the second morning service because we had spent a lot of money on advertising and it was still really unknown what all this virus was going to be, what the future might hold. Would this literally be just a 15-day pause or would this be something that would drag on through the rest of the year and into the new year? And Well, you know the answer to that. Now, looking back, I can see why God led us to choose the 22nd as our launching point because we were able to use that extra morning service to spread out at a time when there was a lot of uncertainty on what all this pandemic meant. Well, by the grace of God, we were blessed to keep our doors open when other churches in other states were being forced to close. I then took a month and I addressed COVID-19 and just some thoughts there, how God's people should handle that and on April the 19th, I returned to our series, Believe to See, and I preached, See the Desire Accomplished. And the hope was we would not give up on the vision. In May, I continued that thought by preaching, See the Vision Again, and then See the Appointed Time. By June, I was afraid that COVID might rob us of our fellowship, and so I preached a sermon, See the Fellowship, to encourage us not to lose that important aspect of our church. Next, I preached about how Jesus will sometimes only work according to our faith. Then I preached about seeing the past, seeing the present. At the end of August, I was hoping to get us zeroed back in on our original vision, so I preached about exercising our faith. And then in September, what can happen when Jesus sees our faith? In October, I kind of departed from the main purpose of the series. We went over to Hebrews 11 for a while. We talked about worship by faith, walk by faith, work by faith, wander by faith. The whole idea there was that we need to have an active faith. 
faith is not just us saying something, it's us doing something. Then we entered December, and I preached, see the results. And that was an emphasis on what God can accomplish through us. And then I preached, see the provision, to say that all we need to fulfill the vision we already possess, God can use us right where we're at. Amen? Amen. And last week I preached, see the reward, the eternal reward. So I just wanted to highlight this year's theme, and I went through all that just to say, uh, one is because I'm bringing this series to a close, and it seemed appropriate just to recap you on where we've been and the journey we've been on this year. Two is to just say it's kind of been a roller coaster. We started up here, went down, tried to come back up, and um, so it's just been a challenge. You can see that through those sermons and where we're at tonight. Started off with high hopes. It led to a different focus. It eventually started to come back around to our original intent. But overall, we're not anywhere close to where I had hoped we would be by this time of the year as a church. And again, I'll say more in January at our State of the Church address. But I've mentioned in the past, I, I'm, I'm okay giving this venture another year, at least another nine months, and see how we look come Labor Day weekend. And if we're not experiencing the need of two services, we're going to shut down two services at that point. Um, I see no purpose in continuing it just for the sake of having it. So pray about it. We'll see what the Lord does this, this year, in 2021, I should say. And if there's a need at the end of, of summer, then we'll, we'll keep pressing with it. Obviously, we had no idea that the year was going to turn out the way it did. Um, now, just so you know... I was never a fan of, of going that direction. I've always been a f- bigger fan of having a larger facility so that we can all stay in one service. Um, that would be ideal. So I'm still praying about a larger facility, and God's going to have to do that because we don't have the resources. Amen. And that's a good place to be because it would have to be of Him. Now, that was a short recap of our series in 2020. I want to talk about our ultimate believe to see, and that is when our faith becomes sight. I started in this direction last week when I was talking about see the reward. We have an eternal reward awaiting us. When Jesus returns, the Bible says, His reward will be with Him to give to every one of us according to our works. We will be rewarded for our works. Amen. We are not just to get our fire insurance and say, praise God, I'm not going to hell But we are to serve the Lord with the life that we have. And when He returns, He's going to reward us accordingly if we've been good stewards about what He's given us and so forth. So lay up for yourself treasures in heaven. The Bible says that if you'll do that, it fades not away. Amen? That's where you want to put your treasures. Everything on this earth that we pursue, it's it's going to pass off the scene. You can't take it with you, and it's just not worth all that we put into that. Um, there'll be no more need for faith when we get to glory. Amen. Um, That's when believing to see will end. And so with that, let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And we'll eventually get to the text verse. But in this chapter, we see the faithfulness of Paul and his fellow ministers to preach the gospel through afflictions and tribulations. They hazarded their lives for the preaching of the gospel. The Bible says here, we're not going to zero in on this, but it does say in chapter 4, verses 8 through 12, 
We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. So then death worketh in us, but life in you. This first century group of people, they were just amazing. They were willing to give themselves to the point of death if it meant communicating the gospel to the lost. In risking their own lives, they were bringing life to others. And it was God's blessing upon their labors which kept them pressing on. They saw souls for their labors. And in verse 16, the Apostle Paul says, For which cause we faint not. And I find that interesting that Paul says that here. Here we are on the last sermon in this series. And what we saw in our theme verse this year is David said, I had fainted unless... I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord. And Paul here says, for this cause we faint not. Paul is essentially saying, because of God's goodness, we don't faint. We dare not faint, but we keep pressing on. And we cannot grow weary. We cannot grow tired because people are being saved as a result of us staying with it. Amen. For this cause we faint not. And in verse 17, Paul says, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Paul recognized that this life is short. It's but for a moment. Therefore, whatever affliction we may endure, it's only a light affliction compared to what awaits God's children. We have so much waiting for us on the other side. Amen. Sometimes the afflictions are too much to bear. They feel that way. Brother DeGarmo, I needed that lesson this morning, brother. If it wasn't for that lesson, I don't know that I would be up here tonight. Just stay with it. Just stay with it. Just keep laboring. We get so caught up in things that are not important. Look at verse 18. This summarizes the theme of our year. While we look not at things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. That's faith. That's it. Believe to see right there. As children of God, our eyes are fixed upon what flesh and blood cannot see. We see from this life into the next. That sounds strange, right? Because of this, the afflictions we may endure here, they're only momentary in light of eternity. As we see in this verse that the things which we can see with our natural eyes are only temporal, while the things which we cannot see are eternal. And the things which man labors to possess... All of those material things won't amount to anything in eternity because they are only temporal. And that which we cannot see, such as the Lord, heaven, 
They've been revealed to us by faith. These eternal things are where we should turn our eyes upon. My dad will be 77 in less than a month. He said a few years ago, the older I get, the more real heaven becomes to me. Something to that effect. And dad, that was a few years ago. It must really be real now. (laughs) But unfortunately, we often spend far too much time and effort on the temporal things of this life. Trying to get ahead, trying to get the latest, trying to get the greatest. We spend all this time and all this effort on things that really aren't going to amount to anything. What causes this to happen? How is it that children of God, some of them can be in church and serve and faithful, next thing you know they're gone. Mm-hmm. They're chasing after the world. And how, does the, how do these things happen? Well, I believe we could say based upon this passage, it's a lack of faith which causes us to focus so, heavy, uh, so heavily on the now, on the temporal. Because if we had faith, we would be focused on the eternal. In Spurgeon's morning and evening devotional, he writes this about verse 18. It's a little lengthy, but he writes this. In our Christian pilgrimage, it is well for the most part to be looking forward. Forward lies the crown, and onward is the goal. Whether it be for hope, for joy, for consolation, or for the inspiring of our love, the future must, after all, be the grand object of the eye of faith. Looking into the future, we see sin cast out, the body of sin and death destroyed, the soul made perfect and fit to be a partaker of the inheritance of the saints in light. Looking further yet, the believer's enlightened eye can see death's river passed, the gloomy stream forded, and the hills of light attained on which standeth the celestial city. He seeth himself enter within the pearly gates, hailed as more than conqueror, crowned by the hand of Christ, embraced in the arms of Jesus, glorified with Him, and made to sit together with Him on His throne, even as He has overcome and has sat down with the Father on His throne. The thought of this future may well relieve the darkness of the past and the gloom of the present. The joys of heaven will surely compensate for the sorrows of earth. Hush, hush my doubts. Death is but a narrow stream, and thou shalt soon have forded it. Time, how short. Eternity, how long. Death, how brief. Immortality, how endless. Methinks I even now eat of Eschol's clusters and sip of the well which is within the gate. The road is so, so short. I shall soon be there. We get so out of balance in this life. We get so focused on the here and now, we stop looking forward and we get our eyes off of eternity. We're here for just a moment. It's a vapor. It appears for a little time and it's gone. Why should we then waste it upon things which are only temporal? Why waste our life on things that don't matter? Paul continues this lesson in the chapter 5 by getting us to focus on the eternal. Verse 1 says, For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God and house not made with hands eternal in the heavens. This physical body is only temporary. 
Some of you, the older you get, the more you say amen. The more our bodies break down, the more our strength lessens, the more we say, thank God, I have a new body waiting me. This body of flesh will be dissolved. You understand, we're only camping in this tent of clay. It's just the house of our spirit. Paul calls our body our earthly house of this tabernacle. The tabernacle is only a temporary residence, and that's why it says Jesus came and He tabernacled among us. But we have something eternal in waiting. We have a building of God. We have a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. 1 Corinthians 15.44 says our bodies of our bodies that it is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. And so we see the contrast here between the temporal and the eternal. Look at verses 2 through 4. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house which is from heaven. If so be that being clothed we shall not be found naked. For we that are in this tabernacle do groan being burdened. Not for that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon, that mortality might be swallowed up of life. We ought to long for the day when the temporal is replaced with the eternal. We ought to long for that day. And the fact that we don't proves how out of balance we get with our so-called faith. 1 Corinthians 15, 53 and 54 says, For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. Look at verse 5. Now he that hath wrought us for the selfsame thing is God, who also hath given unto us the earnest of the Spirit. Matthew Henry wrote this, All who are designed for heaven hereafter are wrought or prepared for heaven while they are here. The stones of that spiritual building and temple above are squared and fashioned here below. And He that hath wrought us for this is God, because nothing less than a divine power can make a soul partaker of a divine nature. No hand less than the hand of God can work us for this thing. A great deal is to be done to prepare our souls for heaven. And that preparation of the heart is from the Lord. And the Bible says we have an earnest of the Holy Spirit. And what that means is our eternal destination, it's secure. He has put down the earnest payment Himself in the form of the Holy Spirit. And God cannot deny Himself. He cannot default. Amen. We've been sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise until the day of redemption. And we are certain that we are going to arrive at our eternal destination when our faith will become sight. Amen. Verse 6 says, Therefore we are always confident knowing that whilst we are at home in the body, we are present. We are, while we are at home from the body, we are absent from the Lord. And because of this security, we know that while we are in this temporal body, we're only absent for a period. We're only absent from the Lord for a short time, and then we'll be with Him again in eternity. Verse 7 says, For we walk by faith, not by sight. 
It all comes back to faith. And we have this reminder again to keep our eyes on the things that are not seen. Verse 8 says, We are confident, I say, and willing rather. Get what he's saying here. We are confident and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. When we are walking by faith, when we are believing to see, we are looking at the eternal and we are not looking at the temporal. Amen. And when we do this, we will not only have an assurance that one day we will be with the Lord, but get this, we will actually desire to be with the Lord. you got to grow into this kind of faith. I can tell you when I was a young man, younger man, I didn't think that way. And I know some of you young people, you're looking forward to the day you can do this and that, and I understand that. Amen. Those are natural. I'm I'm not knocking that. What I'm saying is when we grow in our faith to the point where we realize, I've got nothing better than what awaits me. Why am I so wrapped up in the things of this earth? We would desire to be present with the Lord. And we would say like Paul, uh, listen, I'm confident. I'll tell you this. I'm willing rather to be present with the Lord. Do you understand what's being said here? This is when we walk by faith. With our eyes on the eternal and not on the temporal. At that point, we would rather be with the Lord. Even though that can only be brought about by the process of death. So don't take this as morbidly out of whack. I'm not trying to make this some kind of a spooky thing. But it's through death that we get there. I'm not suggesting we hasten death in any way. I I, I do kind of enjoy life, amen? But it does mean that we understand when all is said and done, there is nothing in this temporal life that is keeping us tethered to this earth. When we get our heart right and we get our eyes affixed, we would rather that this robe of flesh would drop and we would rise to seize the everlasting prize. The lost are scared at the thought of dying. The fleshly believer gets frustrated at the thought of dying. They are willing rather to be present in this body and remain absent from the Lord. You know what? Paul would have kept serving the Lord and been faithful through COVID-19. Paul wouldn't be afraid of contracting the virus even if that led to his death. Because he said, I would rather be with the Lord. Paul said, I'm in a straight betwixt two. I've got a desire to part, which would be far better than being here with y'all. But it's needful for me to be here, he said. He knew God had a plan for his life that he still had to fulfill. He had to finish his ministry. He would have kept serving the Lord. Isn't it interesting how many believers are living in fear of things which would only hasten their arrival into the presence of the Lord? You say you're meddling. That's my job. If you don't want a meddling preacher, get me out of here. I like what Oliver Bean Green said. He was preaching once and he was talking about those who say they're all ready to go to heaven. They talk this big thing about faith and how they're ready to see the Lord and yet when they have a chest pain, they call the doctor. So why are you calling the doctor? Call for another chest pain. (laughs) 
Some of you will get that later, I guess. But verse 8 <laughs> is what it is to believe to see. That's walking by faith with an eye to the eternal. And if we would get a proper view of the eternal, if we would get a proper view of all that, we wouldn't weep for the child of God who departs this earth. But we would long for the day when we finally get to be with Him in, in glory with God. Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying we're not going to weep. We're going to have times of weep. That's fine. The Bible says there's a time for that. But I want you to understand, we, we wouldn't weep for people to be back here. So many people are so tore up about, well, God took so-and-so too early. No, He didn't. And listen, if they were a child of God, and you had your heart in the right place on the eternal, you wouldn't weep for them to be back. They wouldn't want to be back. Verse 9 says, Wherefore we labor, that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of Him. What do we do in the meantime? While we're, we're still on this earth, we still have a life to live, what do we do? We labor. We labor for the Lord. We work until our faith becomes sight. Verse 10 says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body, according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. And we're going to stand before God. There's judgment day. And our judgment will not be based upon the temporal, but upon the eternal. What is it that we did for God? Not that you had a great military career. I'm picking on myself. That's not going to impress the Lord. Your career is not going to impress the Lord. Now, if you use that career for God, that's one thing. And I hope God elevates all of you to high positions and you use your money for the Lord. Listen, keep your eyes on the prize. Our faith will one day be sight. Hallelujah. I'm only 43. But I can tell you I feel a lot different than I did when I was 21 about heaven. And I look forward to that day. And I'll see my Savior for the first time face to face. And that which I've only seen through the, the eye of faith, it'll become sight. Amen. It'll be worth it all. One day we will see all that we have only been able to see afar by faith. We'll see all that God has prepared for those who love Him. We will see the glorious city. We will see the pure river, the water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. On either side of the river, we'll see the tree of life, which bears twelve manner of fruits and yields her fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. And best of all, we'll see the glory of God. We'll be with the Lamb who is the light thereof. We'll see His face. There'll be no more curse, no more night. God will wipe away all our tears from our eyes. There'll be no more death. No more sorrow. I'll no longer disappoint my Lord. I'll no longer disappoint you as a pastor. There'll be no more pain. 
The former things of this world will have passed away. What a day that will be. And we have to learn to live with eternity in view. There's no such thing as being so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. I know what people mean when they say that and whatever, that's fine. But if we were truly heavenly minded, we would labor for God. We would seek to reach souls upon this earth. And if we would be heavenly minded, then we would be earthly good. We would get our attention off of the things of this earth. We need to work for God while we still have time. There's no perfect church. Some of you are looking for it. It's a myth. Just get in and get involved. None of us know how much time we have left. Let's labor with eternity in view. Let's believe to see the eternal. 2 Corinthians 4.18 again says, While not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Let's pray.